0: Hey, how's everybody doing? Good? Great, that's what I like to hear. Welcome back to another episode of Middle Class Rockstar, episode 6. It's still going. And like I said last week, or two weeks ago, if I make it to 10 episodes, I think I'll make it to 100. That's been my prediction from the beginning, and now we're over the halfway mark, to 10 anyway. I'm releasing these every other Thursday. I went to the Durango Songwriters Expo a couple weeks back, something I've been to a lot of times. And when I was in college and right after college, I used to go to every single one of them. Uh, they do it every October in Broomfield and every end of February, beginning of March in Ventura, California. Pile in the car with buddies, and we would drive overnight to, well, I guess it was sort of a day and a half trip. We'd drive to Las Vegas, party, and then in the morning, I guess keep going to Ventura. We always had a sober driver; that wasn't a problem. But we always made that party stop in Las Vegas, sort of part of the part of the fun. The Durango Songwriters Expo. If you haven't been or haven't heard of it, is a great thing for songwriters and musicians. Um, it's a networking event. You get to showcase your songs. You get to meet cool people. There's panels on just about anything. Production, songwriting, you name it. And then there's listening sessions. Everyone goes to three listening sessions. And it's you and 18 to 20 other people, and you sit in a room, and one at a time you go up and timidly stand in the corner while one of your songs gets played for everyone. And there's an industry professional or two or three sometimes sitting at the table listening to your song, reading your lyrics, critiquing your lyrics while you're playing it, And then they talk to you about your song afterwards. Uh, Yes, it is as nerve-wracking as it sounds. It is my least favorite part of the Durango Expo. Not because it's not good, but because it's scary as shit. I don't like... I like song critiques from two people, okay? Random people who know nothing about the music industry and from close friends and families who understand what I'm going for as an artist. It is scary, vulnerable, out of the comfort zone to... Have industry professionals, people who have written hit songs or produced for produced hits, or, or not even hits, maybe they're A&R people, maybe they're an Americana guy, but they sit there and they, they read your lyrics while you play your song. Everybody in the room is listening, all eyes are on you for about four minutes, and man, I'd rather play in front of 10,000 people than stand in front of these 20 people and industry professionals and get these critiques. It's kinda of like a flu shot for me, I guess. You know, it's necessary, but but I don't necessarily love it in the moment. <laughs> Afterwards, it's fine. Even when you're up there, it's fine. I think it's leading up to it. But I don't mean to sound negative. There, these, these sessions are great, these listening sessions. Sometimes you get great feedback from great songwriters on how you can make your song better, or maybe something you just haven't thought of. Other times you get production ideas. Sometimes you're pitching your songs directly to music supervisors for, for film, and, film and TV placement. Those are a lot of fun. Uh, when you see somebody, a, a music supervisor, take an interest in one of your friend's songs or in one of your songs, um, it's really neat. So the Durango Songwriter Expo is just a great thing. It's a sort of another family. It's a community of people that goes every time. You see familiar faces. You make new friends, but you see a lot of familiar faces. And I think it's capped at 200 people. It's small. I would highly recommend the Durango Songwriters Expo to any songwriters, producers, or musicians out there looking to either better your craft or collaborate or get your songs placed or a publishing deal. I've known several people to get publishing deals. Uh, from the expo, including my guest today, Richard Harris. Richard got signed to Peer Music at the Durango Songwriters Expo, I think he said 11 years ago now, and he's still with them, he's still writing with them. He started out uh, doing library music and then got into co writing and producing, and he's just done a bunch of things. And now I'm quoting from his website. If you want to hear Richard's music, it's on CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox, the BBC, History Channel, Lifetime, MTV, Discovery Channel, TNT, and many others. His songs have been heard in commercials and TV shows, including One Tree Hill, Cold Case, Third Watch, The Closer, The Hills, Joan of Arcadia. And most recently, or I should say recently, he said his website is not terribly up-to-date. Recently-ish. He's had songs placed in the Reese Witherspoon box office hit This Means War and CW's hit TV show Beauty and the Beast, Vanderpump Blues, and an end title song placement in the Tyler Perry movie Single Moms Club. He said that's out of date, but if I could trade Richard my website bio for his website bio as it is right now, I would do it. I would do it. Also, Richard, update your website, man. We want to know. We want to know the most current stuff. We want to know about that uh, number one Billboard hit you had earlier this year. That should be up there, right? <laughs> We're going to hear that song a little bit later. He had a song uh, hit number one on the Billboard Dance Club Songs chart uh, back in February, I believe. So, anyway, let's jump in my conversation. Oh, I have to mention too. Richard is from London, and I have this problem. Whenever I, I talk to somebody from that part of the world, I sort of accidentally, I think accidentally, subconsciously, have a really bad British accent for like half the day afterwards. And this, it happened again then. I just I caught myself a couple times. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know how that happens or what, or what that's from. It's contagious. It's a great accent. Who doesn't love that accent? Anyway, here's my sit-down with Richard Harris. All right, you know what, I really got to cut off the uh, four-click metronome on this thing when we're doing an interview, because it's really not important. <laughs> but in my headphones, I just got the, the count Oh, you got
1: the count in? Great.
0: So we're going to do this interview at 110 BPM.
1: Nice. One of my favorite BPMs of all time.
0: <laughs> this is Richard Harris. What's going on?
1: Hey, man, it's good to meet you. Good to see you, should I say? I know you already, of course. Oh, well, thanks! Thanks for coming out. And when you came out from uh, came out from California for the expo, I did. I got here on uh, Thursday and I got in late. But yeah, I'm excited. I love the Durango Songwriters Expo. It's been. I think this has got to be my thirtieth, probably thirty second. I've been to so many. Oh my god! Yeah, I've been coming for like twelve years. I think.
0: And you when you first started coming, you were you were one of the songwriters. You were one, one of, the... of the attendees. Yeah. Yeah. I was I wasn't not
1: long in uh, to LA and California from England and and I was looking for a way to kind of connect with the uh, music execs and record people and I wasn't doing an artist thing then I was just doing songwriting and <clears throat> excuse me I wanted to um just kind of like hook into the the whole business world in terms of getting my songs through so I met Jim at another event actually and uh fell in love with jim he's just such a sweet human being and and he said you should come to the songwriters expo so i I just saved up the money and came and uh was just presenting songs and getting brutalized by you know critiques and walking out of rooms crying because you thought you'd written your best song of all time and and uh, so that happened for a couple of years, and then I got I got fortunate that uh, I got spotted by a publisher, and then and I got signed to my publishing deal. So,
0: and you got signed to the publishing deal here at the expo. Yeah, I did.
1: <clears throat> I did um, the write with a hitmaker competition, and I won. And it was the year after um, Alyssa Moreno uh, won it, and uh, and I uh, and I was I was so thrilled that I'd won and uh, that year and the or if you won the competition you got to perform two songs which you know was great uh, at the at the um at the showcase so i performed two songs and there was a publisher there who had been part of the right with a hitmaker competition in terms of like selecting songs and was uh, obviously selected my song as the winner and uh, and he he's decided that you know he wanted to turn it into a full blown deal and so we got talking, and six months later, I got I got signed to that deal. I've been it ever since. So you know, it was the same company. I am with Peer Music. Yeah, Peer Music. Oh, yeah. wonderful. So yeah, it was a game changing moment in my life.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'll say. So the Expo's done good things for you.
1: It has in in so many other ways as well. I mean, I love, I love Jim and Jack and all, everybody that's involved with with Durango, and and um, so it's been such a great. Since i would now become more of like on the mentoring side and, and critiquing myself, you know, which I've been doing probably for about eight years, six, seven, eight years, is I continue to build that, you know, that network of people that I know, which is so important to this business, you know. And uh, and meeting new artists and being inspired by young writers and and artists, so it's just as important as it was back then. To be very honest with you, before I was I was signed, and so because I I get to walk away with a whole new perspective and and a whole new group of friends and and potential people to work
0: with. That's awesome. And yeah. before we jump back into how you got here and what you're doing now, let's mm. give some perspective for the listeners. We are. In Richard's hotel room yes. at the Omni Interlochen in Broomfield, Colorado. Yeah. And it is the Durango Songwriters Expo, which happens, I believe, the first weekend of October in Broomfield yeah. now. And then it's uh, in Ventura, California, the first weekend in February. Yeah, And it's been going on for, for many years. Uh, started in, in Durango, I believe, Durango, Colorado. Yeah. And basically, there's, it's capped at 200 people, and we all show up and... And have a lot of fun all weekend, but everybody, uh, all the attendees, which I am an attendee for the, I think eighth time, seventh or eighth time, uh, we get three listening sessions where you get to play your songs for people like Richard and they, uh, they critique your songs. They tell you that they're great. They tell you that they're awful. They give, <laughs> they give good advice. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's all part of it. And then you get to showcase. Sometimes I got to play a song on, on Thursday night and then uh, saturday night which it's saturday the mm. uh we get there's always a concert and a lot of badass performers at yeah that.
1: it's like top class songwriters get up and play yeah yeah,
0: yeah. we've got uh, richie fray and big al tonight As a couple yeah of them. chris
1: galberda is playing as well yeah awesome it's gonna uh, be great are you playing no no i don't play much anymore anyway that's the thing i i, I would i mean i played saturday night as a one of the pre-show shows that they used to do right but i just don't play live shows anymore it's just something i just i the artist thing for me kind of ended a long time ago and so uh i don't practice playing songs live
0: right but i've seen it though
1: oh you've seen it i've yes. seen it from time to time <laughs> this i have my one song show that i do every year probably at the durango expo yeah to be honest with you yeah um but yeah no it's, it's a wonderful event so anybody you're thinking about coming you should come
0: it's great great community and a a small tight-knit community oh yeah
1: yeah absolutely there is and everybody stays in touch afterwards it's great I love Durango
0: so if backing up you when did you come to the States
1: right well I came I moved here 16 years ago um, on a bit of a wing and a prayer really I was I just a little backstory I've been brought up in a music family my dad's a musician and composer and and film composer and arranger and and had a, has had an amazing career and continues to have an amazing career and my grandfather was a professional musician musician as was my great-grandfather a musician not a professional but a musician so it was kind of preordained that i was going to f- somehow find my way into music and uh i um i uh was in a band in the uk i'd built two recording studios in london which I was kind of breaking my teeth in terms of production and engineering, and uh, and was writing for the band, and uh, loved being in the band and doing the artist thing, and and it it kind of it kind of all kind of folded in at the same time in terms of things that were just changing in my life. Um, uh, the studio was, you know, a medium-sized studio you know we we had it it was a great place and i loved it but uh, it was being hit hard by you know people being able to record at home it was just the breaking out of logic in those days and and uh, pro tools and and uh, so people were accessing you know ch- technology on uh, um, much easier so medium sized studios like i had were suffering quite a bit and so i uh, with that and then the band was coming to the end of its natural life we'd all had enough, you know, we'd played a lot of shows and we toured, we played the US a couple of times and it just never got there, you know, we never, we just got close to a couple of times where we thought there was going to be a deal of some sort um, <clears throat> but it never it never came to, to pass so we kind of came to the end of our natural days, said our goodbyes, studio I decided just to close down and sell and then I, I... We'd we'd been on a a, a, kind of like whistle stop kind of tour in LA with the band, last kind of knockings really to present to some record labels. And I, for the first time in a long time, I actually felt that LA had something to offer me as a writer and for the next stage of my career really. So I sold everything. I was in a relationship that finished. So it was all like all things were pointing to change. And I've always been good at being able to say, okay, let's reset and hit a reset button. You know, yeah, I'd done it once before in my life when I decided to get out the corporate world, which was the job that I was in, to just kind of throw everything into music. And how old were you when you decided to make
0: that change? Oh god,
1: I was a little older. I'm not even gonna say actually how old I was because I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm aged of years. And um, but yeah, no, I was not a spring chicken. You know, I was yeah. I was not a young man. So it was a big decision to make. You know, it was it was something that. Uh, you know most people would have thought was the craziest idea ever and uh but it was the only way forward for me i i only had really one plan and that was to be able to make a living out of music so i yeah. just sold everything up and came and slept on my sister's couch uh, in la and uh, and that's where it all started again and just basically hope to god it worked out
0: and and then you you've started a family since moving to yes, L.A. Yes, yes,
1: yeah. I did. I met my wife, actually, in my sister's apartment. Like two weeks into being here, uh, I'd met a friend of hers um, who was a friend of my sister's, and uh, she said, "You got to meet my friend. She's moving up from San Diego." And and I was I was really not ready for another relationship because I just come out of a relationship in England. So, right. but anyway, I I my my then my wife now um leslie she uh she walked into the my sister's apartment and smiled at me and it was like an oh no i'm yeah. done yeah <laughs> so yeah. so that was that and uh <laughs> it wasn't you know and and i had to go back to england a couple of times or one time and so she came and visited a few times and and uh and then i moved back and uh not long after that we were married and now two small children so wow yeah it's all been very good since i've been to the states yeah yeah very kind i figured you didn't get the accent in la no yeah i did not and (laughs) i've tried very hard to keep my accent i've i when i go home i can hear the Americanization of some of my accent you know um but uh i uh i i maintain the british accent as much as i possibly can
0: yeah, cuz yeah. my
1: wife will leave me if I if I lose it. <laughs> <laughs> cuz it's the exotic part of me
0: and that's probably the only thing that is. So. <laughs> that's perfect. So you've been so it's been about 16 years and yes. you've been and you've been with Pierre for uh the last six of those. No, I've been with Pierre for nearly 11 years. Oh, 11 it's been that yeah. long. Okay.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yes, they'll probably bury me at the office there at some point, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> And do you, you've got your own studio and stuff now?
1: I do. Yeah. Um. And obviously, a small concern. Uh. Small concern. You know. Is everybody has smaller studios these days? I. I did the bigger studio, and it's fun, but it's a lot of maintenance. Um. So I have like a writer's room at the house, and um, and uh, you know, decent mics and prees and stuff like that. But nearly everything's done in the box these yeah. days. And so yeah, no, it's great. I love it. And uh, it's it's a nice writer's room and and i've cut a ton of vocals there that have ended up on records and yeah a lot of records have come out and i've done all the ro- the vocals there in a small little tiny room
0: wow so it can be done folks. it can be done yes yes so and and i'm uh, looking <coughs> at looking at some of your credits uh, you know you're a songwriter but it, yeah. the the production correct me if i'm wrong is a big part of it for you as well you you've you've got your uh feet in on the production side
1: yeah I, I i'm kind of a geek when it comes to gear really i i when i was a kid my dad, you know, was in studios all the time recording, and I just loved studios. I just loved the smell of them. I loved the people that hung out in them. And I just, so I kind of, I was a bit of a technology nerd, really. And I just, I remember having a little reel-to-reel when my dad used. And I'd figured out that if you taped a little bit of cotton wool over the erase head, if you recorded and then recorded again, it was like recording on top of a recording. So I started to do these like multi-track recordings, even though there weren't—it wasn't a multi-track. It was just layering right. sound on top of sound, and that's kind of where it started. So I, I always had a, a love for technology and computers, and and um, so uh, I think it—I think I came to it with all the right attitude. Really, I love writing, and I—that's pretty really first and foremost what I love to do. But the production part, I just, I enjoy just as much, you know, in terms of geeking out and, and especially with the way technology works these days, I spend a lot of my time just like new ways to do things, new plugins, new sound sources. It's, you know, it's an ever
0: changing, you know, palette of color that you can choose from. It's fantastic so if you're if you're co-writing with a lot of people that you co-write with are you sometimes a one-stop shop where you'll write the song together and compose the music and yeah. and do all that yeah do the whole production
1: it depends on what the session is and i have i sometimes go in as a straightforward top liner um with other producers but it's it's mainly i'm there as a writer that will also end up producing the track you know very nice what is top liner top liner is somebody writes melody and lyric
0: oh okay good new term
1: yes well it's been around a while for me (laughs) yes for you um but no it's it's an it is a fell it's a relatively new thing and i think it's just a case of the way that the industry has changed you know at one time somebody wrote lyric and somebody wrote melody you know that that was kind of how it was split and traditionally actually that's where most of the copyright is split as well you know Mm. it was 50 percent lyric 50 percent melody and you always had somebody did one and somebody did the other And some people did both. But um, now it's uh, you've got people that are track people and all the ones that do all the harmony and all that stuff underneath. And then you've got top liners that do the melody and the lyric. Gotcha. And that's, it's just a new term that's been kind of brought in over the last few years.
0: I like it. I'm going to try to use it in a sentence today. Yes, please. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You sound so, so intelligent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm a top liner. (laughs) I'm a top liner. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, that's that's great. So you do but you you do kind of do a lot of the stuff and I was, I was I was looking through and listening through to some of the uh, Tracks and credits that you have uh, waking up easy, yep. which is You're gonna have to pronounce her last name for me lime lime cordial lime cordial see I wasn't gonna get yeah that. Um, And she's an Australian artist. They are an. he's they're a band
1: Ah. and uh yeah they're they're a band i just wrote with them again just recently actually two brothers fantastic great great guys and uh yeah
0: well there's i noticed that's very the it's very focused in on the lyrics on that one right which i love and then as i was listening more to it happens all the time and you can have it all when you get to you can have it all it's very focused on the on the production side of things um so i think that was cool listening through to a lot of your credits a lot of different artists you've uh, written with kind of a wide array of of stuff. I'm all over the map,
1: to be very honest with you. I think it's just if you get lucky enough to just push yourself into various different areas. I mean, you know, there's a danger you become jack of all trades and master of none, you know, as they say. But um, I've been, you know, I've been around the block a few times, so I think I bring a certain something to each one of those t- either rights or production or whatever. But um, I think it's uh I think the 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 lines drawn between genres right now are very loose and smudged. You know, there it's it, it's not pop is encompasses so many different genres these days, and it's everything yeah. from hip hop all the way through to singer songwriter and pretty much everything else in between. You know what I mean? I think right. it's when you get into country, but even country is. You know the boundaries of country to pop are obviously been worn down so much these days, so I think I've been fortunate enough to write across so many different genres, but they're all kind of under the pop banner, really. They're all looking yeah. for
0: hooks and yeah. a decent
1: lyric. You Is know? that
0: what you would call yourself? You'd say I'm under the pop banner. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I, I don't, I don't get involved in certain. I mean I I I produce track for. Stuff that's kind of you would classify as rap and hip hop. When I there's an artist that's, you know, doing that kind of thing, and it's rare, but I have done it, and uh, and that's more as a track person, and um, but yeah, I'm and I think this the the pop is so broad these days. But I don't kind of get involved with doing country production. I rarely go there, um, right. because it's it has it's there's so many people that are so good at it. Yeah, and it's just, and I don't get an opportunity to do it very often, you know. So I've done things that are more pop country le- leaning, but I don't get straight country. It's just, it's. I think you have to live it, right? You know, and I haven't. Yeah, so. it's in that in that other world. Yeah, down I've never, in owned, I've never owned a truck, <laughs> much that I would love to. Yeah, but in, I think mean, in LA you just look like an idiot if you drive a truck and you know, you haven't got tools <laughs> in the back. You know what I mean? Right, right. It's just, yeah, it's just not really sensible to turn up with a truck and just a laptop on the, <laughs> on, the, on the car seat. So you need some bricks or something or some tools in the back to make to it at make least sense look of tough. It. You know, well, just even to make sense of the big, you know, flatbed bit of the back. You know, right,
0: what I mean? right. Well, just put a six-pack back there. Yeah. Me- <laughs> <laughs> Probably do it.
1: Yeah, maybe. Maybe
0: that's how I get away with it. I don't know. I hope you're enjoying the interview so far. We're going to jump right back into it, but first, we're going to take a listen to one of Richard's songs. Meet in the Middle was recorded by Stonebridge featuring Haley Joel and reached number one on the Billboard Dance Club Songs Chart. And so what's some of your favorite collaborations you've done that recently oh man
1: i've been really fortunate this last year i've done i've had some wonderful co-writes and uh and and uh, and, uh, and i apologize to people that i may forget but um but uh, in terms of like signed artists i i've been working with amy Stroop, who's been at he signed out of secret road and and katie herzig out of secret road jules larson um at a secret road and uh, a guy called Anthony Day I just did a who's with think music was was wonderful and and um, a guy called Greg Holden who's uh, I, I've written with a bunch of times and Greg's an amazing artist and writer and and uh, fellow Brit and uh, he's just one of those guys that just He's just a wonderful writer and a, and a real traditionalist in terms of what he wants out of the song. And so we've written a couple of songs. It's actually two of my proudest songwriting moments. They're actually both with Greg, actually. We, had, we wrote a song called Save Yourself, which I, still to this day is one of my favorite songs. And uh, we just did a song called "Something uh, Say Something
0: Beautiful, which is going to be his next single, I think. So... Um, Greg's fantastic, and I wanted—I actually wanted to ask you about your relationship with Greg. How I mean, did that originally uh, come about, and about how long ago was that?
1: Oh well, I think well, it was way—it was before he had the Philip Phillips cut, uh, the home song that he wrote, and uh, which was a huge hit, obviously for Philip Phillips coming in. It was out of Idol, and um, and I knew Greg before then. We we got put together because my publisher, Adam Epstein um knew his manager David Margolis and and uh, I think I'd already written with one of David's other artists at the time Rosie Golan and and um and anyway so I remember that that first co-write with Greg he, he came to the house and he sat down I think the first thing he said to me was I hate writing co-writes. Yeah. And I thought oh no this is not going to go well. Shit. Yeah. And uh, because he'd spent so much time, he's really the pure indie artist, you know, he's just yeah. spent so much time crafting songs by himself. And he's such a great songwriter on his own. I don't know if you've ever heard a song called Boys in the Street, which is just b- magnificent song, which, of course, is all his. And um, so, you know, I, I thought, well, we'll see how it goes, you know. But, he, but we're, thankfully, we're both British, so we had that connection. So we just yeah. kind of chewed the fat a lot. And then we wrote a song that day called uh, "The Song I Wrote for You," which actually was licensed licensed in a TV show pretty much straight away. What show? Um, God, I can't remember. It was about four or five years ago, um, but it was a good placement. It was a back end of a show, but I can't remember what it was. But I'll I will try and find you've, out. So
0: you've had enough placements where you don't remember. No, all.
1: there's some that I've forgotten. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> No, I think that's good. Yeah. No, that's been I, I've been fortunate. I did a lot of work for the music libraries back in the day when I first I before I signed to P and 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 thank God I did actually because
0: all the music I wrote for those just continually get licensed all the time. So doing songs for music libraries, yeah. How how did that come about? How does that work actually? Explain me, explain that a little bit. Well,
1: I, got, I again. It was uh, believe it or not that I c- came to me via a taxi thing. You know, taxi. Uh, uh, you know, the independent A and uh, company, I joined them. And that's kind of how I met Jim uh, from Durango. And um, I had a friend of mine who I'd met at the Taxi Road Rally. And he had pitched for a library writing gig. And he, um, he asked me while we were at, uh, out to dinner or doing something, he said, man, I just got this gig and I can't do it. He said, and "You're the only person I know that can do this gig. You know, would you would you want to do it?" And I said, "Absolutely." I mean, I said yes to everything in those days. I still kind of do now, but yeah. And um, and it was writing for a a, a composer that had a huge library company of his own, but it licensed through Firstcom, which is one of the biggest libraries. It's owned by Universal. It's huge, and um, and he basically said to me you know i need all this music and can you do it and so and it was all orchestral a lot of it and a lot of it was sound alike stuff it was songwriting but it was also like doing big theme tune type things stuff that sounded like it was written in russia i had to do something it was sound like it was from afghanistan china so i was doing composing as much as anything else with lots of strings and you know big noises and so it wasn't all singer songwriter stuff. Oh no 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 no! I was doing I was doing full on orchestration stuff then, you know.
0: And did they give you specific assignments? We need a song that sounds like it's from oh, yeah. Afghanistan.
1: Yeah, totally. And it, wow. and and they have, the the library stuff has to have you know a very you know like formalized way that it's laid out. It has to take into account. Um, what music editors like, you know, lots of editing points, lots of builds, lots of stops, and then move on to another section. So they got tons of ways to edit the music into different parts of the of the um, of the, uh, the the stuff that they're editing into, and that stuff got. I mean, the the one I did for. I think it was called Taliban Trip. Or I don't know what it was called. It was something terribly terrible title. Anyway, I don't think it was Taliban Trip. That would have been a terrible title, but it was something, and it was it was the Afghanistan one, and uh, and
0: it's been licensed so many times. And that that's the deal with these music libraries too, right? Is you can't take that. That Taliban song and pitch it yourself. Oh, no. It's
1: through the library. And I I just see the results of what they've done with it.
0: But now the the benefit of it being in the library is they can license the same song oh, hundreds, multiple times. hundreds of times yeah. yeah
1: and it just as i say i don't know it's been anything's been licensed that i see a, my bmi statement come through and then i see that it's been licensed on a, a bunch of shows and i just see my writer side because when you do stuff for libraries you basically all work for hire so you let go of all your publishing you know and uh, and then you just see your writer side but it's it you know if it's with a big library like that it, you know it, and you it's good work it gets licensed and this um some of this stuff i i wrote 10 years ago 11 but actually be more than that 12 years ago before i got signed to Peer, and uh, and it's still being used over and over and over again you know it's a nice 401k
0: plan for a musician
1: <laughs> yeah thankfully i did do it you know so <laughs> yeah so yeah no that's the, if you can get the work it's uh it's it's you it can be and you can do it well it's uh it's a really, it's a really good way to write. As you say, make, it makes money while you sleep,
0: you know? Right, right. It in, in horns and strings. That's a, uh, in arranging, that's a specific talent. Did you right. kind of pick that up when you were young from your father? Yeah, and I spoke to
1: dad a lot about that, you know, because you know the unfortunate thing, unless you get and, and a lot of sample libraries now restrict you in the, in the range of the instrument. So if you're trying to make a viola play above a certain point, it won't play because obviously they can't play it there. Right. But you know, back in the day when you were playing strings, you could make and brass instruments, you can make them play anything. You any can make range. It, yeah, any range. You could get a trumpet player to play the lowest E flat you know what i mean it's just and they can't um so uh but now they're kind of restricted so you kind of know where you're working and i i spent a lot of time again with dad in studios and and watching what he did but i asked a lot of questions of him and i think you learn a lot by listening and uh, and i'm sure there are plenty of composers out there that if they heard what i did would think oh holy crap no you did you actually do that that's not allowed you know
0: yeah yes yeah. <laughs> so you didn't so, have to have an orchestra play any no of that. <laughs> i did not have to
1: suffer the consequences of them looking at me like you're an idiot you have no idea what you're doing and i could have honestly said back no i probably don't but at least it sounds kind of good so yeah yeah so but it's fun it's a challenge you know what i mean and i love everything about having been in those circumstances been in front of big orchestras and and in live situation and in in studios and just loving that sound you know so uh, so yeah dad was a big influence and, and a help obviously when it came to those sorts of things and just saying okay that's not going to work you should maybe you know what instruments double well and all that sort of thing you know Got some good advice there. Oh yeah.
0: Did he? Did he get any cuts with with big movies or anything like that?
1: Who, my dad. Yeah. Oh well, my dad's had an extraordinarily good career. I mean, he yeah. um uh, as a as a originally a trumpet player, played with all these huge big bands back in the day, and then went into arranging and uh, and then ended up producing um, acts like Shirley Bassey, Tom Jones, Engelbert Humperdinck. Wow. You know, I mean, Sammy Davis Jr. I mean, yeah. Just every legacy artist. No yeah. Oh yeah. I've worked with so many people. Wow. And um, Dinah Ross. I mean, it just the list goes on and on and on and on. And in fact, I was talking to him on the phone yesterday, and uh, my dad's getting up there age-wise, but he always drops these things in you. I forgot he, he, you know, he hadn't told us because it was just normal life for him and he said where are you i said i'm in denver he said oh denver he said oh yeah we played the red rocks there once and i went what and he goes yeah we played the red rocks, Theater. Red rocks. <laughs> and i went and i went who did you play he said well i was on tour with paul Anker and we you know he was his md then a musical director and conductor and uh, and i went dad you never told me that story this is like one of the iconic." venues in the states in and, the world yeah, yeah and you played it he said yeah it was great it was such a nice place it's so cool <laughs> i was like well, i didn't know that which is kind of cool that i didn't know that but um, yeah so yeah he has had an extraordinary career he's done he did movies richard harris movies that's not my movies because but there was an actor called richard harris ah. and uh, who was a famous actor and ended up playing the original dumbledore in the first two harry potter movies um right um, he but, passed away right yeah he did yeah. So uh, my dad did a couple of movies for him and uh, and then did a bunch of f- movies for TV. And oh, yeah, dad's had his crazy career. He's just in the middle of doing arrangements for the next Engelbert Humperdinck Christmas record.
0: No way. Seriously. That's cool. It runs in the family. <laughs> oh, man. Yes, it does. It runs in the family. So now we're, we're sitting at the expo and you were just telling me before we started the interview, you're sort of starting an expo. Of your own, yeah,
1: of sorts, a bit different, Um, and uh, and it's uh, it was it's more of an educational thing because um, having been on the receiving end of songs that you know people bring to the expo and and they play them for publishers and A and R people and people like myself, you know, uh, to kind of give them feedback. A lot of them have spent a a fortune on getting things demoed and and recorded and and then they forgot that they hadn't written a chorus or a a hook, you know, and there's things not right with it. So the craft is is not entirely there. And they do obviously breakout sessions at Durango, but um, I wanted to kind of start something where it was focused purely on teaching artists and writers a bit more about the craft of songwriting and uh, a good friend of mine, Pam Shane, who's a, an amazing writer, who I've written a bunch of stuff with, and she's had this amazing career. She had she wrote "Genie in a Bottle" for Christina Aguilera, and it's written for Demi Lovato. I mean, just and the list goes on and on and on. Yeah. And Pam and I got together, and and we talked about it because she loves mentoring. I love mentoring. It's you know something I I was surprised I enjoyed as much as I do, and became kind of very passionate about this idea of kind of pass on. What I've learned over the years, and uh, so we kind of put this thing together um, called songwriter camps, and um, it's songwritercamps dot com, and we have our first weekend coming up this next weekend. Well, it starts on the fifteenth, which is a week Monday, uh, and it's a three day immersive. Basically, yeah. it's like master classes in the craft of songwriting. Talking to people, other mentors and business people about you know what they think. Young writers, and it doesn't have to be young writers, but new writers, new artists are trying to uh, figure out in terms of their careers and how they improve and what they're doing as writers. And uh, through various master classes, we're going to be teaching them a lot about the craft of you know writing good, better lyric and melody, shortcutting some things for them, and then they go into writing sessions and. And uh, like a traditional songwriters' camp, where they would get an assignment and they go, they get together and they get into groups of three and they write for half the day while the mentors go around and, and help them through that process, you know.
0: That's so, cool. So you're putting people in, you're going to come up, you're going to come out with something tangible at the end of those three yes,
1: days. Yes, yeah. yes, let's hope so. Um, and, you know, the sessions are themselves and they get to perform the songs at the end of the evening, you know. But it's a fully immersive thing, we, it's all catered. So when, you get up in the morning once you've had your shower you come to breakfast and you're with the mentors pretty much from that point all the way through till you go to bed so um, we all share lunches dinners and breakfast together and uh, so you've got a lot of access to the mentors and who can then you know you'll obviously be talking a lot about the craft of songwriting outside of just the masterclasses themselves as well
0: yeah very nice and so we're how can where can people go to find out more information if they want to attend? Right
1: now, it'll be the website uh, songwritercamps dot com, and uh, you, the, the, we've pr- sold out of the um, of this year's. Is, we only have thirty places um, because we want to keep it tight and small, so everybody gets really good. We only want to
0: hear ten songs at the end of the night.
1: Well. <laughs> well there's only enough time to play 10 songs probably but uh, but also it's 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 also having access you know because Pam and I are obviously the 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 two main people here it's our company and and I I didn't want to get it so it was so watered down that you don't get chance to really connect with the people that are running it and the men because we have other mentors coming in each day we have two business mentors on the first day which is more interview style really with them but on the second day we have two writing mentors coming in and then on the third day it's two artist mentors. Greg Holden actually is gonna be there on the Wednesday. Cool. And um, so I wanted everybody to kind of have as close uh, as contact as they can with everybody that's running it and and, uh, and that's what they're there for. They're there to learn and, and I want people to walk away at the end of those three days exhausted and inspired and they've learned a ton you know by the time they they, they walk away so yeah i'm excited i'm really excited pam and i've been working on this for 18 months so it's um i'm, I'm glad to get it started just to see how uh, everybody reacts to it
0: that's awesome, and I'll I'll have the website songwriter camps plural. Yeah, right? songwritercamps dot Yeah, I'll have that in the in the description. It's really cool uh, sitting down with somebody like you who's been very successful in the music industry. Mm. And I know a lot of times we think of uh, a successful artist as the lead singer, right at the, <laughs> at the at the huge amphitheater. And it's so not true. You know, it's so it's so cool. You're you're running a camp. You're mentoring people. You're writing songs for people. You're composing. Arabic music for libraries. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, (laughs) you know it's. uh, You've done all sorts of different things. I've done tons of placements and, uh, uh, kind of, as a a behind-the-scenes guy in some ways. Yeah, I've done so many great things.
1: Well, thank you. I've tried. You know, I mean, I think it's that once you kind of decide that this is the life for you, you know, right. There's nothing else, you know, and you just have to be belligerent and probably a, a little bit stupid, I suppose. Really and um just to just continue to keep going i think this business has a lot to offer people that have the tenacity to never take no for an answer and to continue to want to learn and get better i think that's part of it i think if you have tenacity but then are too you know ignorant to kind of just listen to people when they're trying to help you move on because it took a lot of mentors and a lot of advice for me to figure it all out it wasn't something i did solo you know it's, right. it's, this is a, a team effort always you know and um i think you know the t- tenacity thing as you can see because i have gray hair is that i i came into the business kind of late and uh and it, and it really didn't happen for me until later on in life you know so uh, if that's inspiring for anybody that's 18 19 20 you know just keep going because that was kind of when i started thinking about it and I got wrapped up into corporate world because I was good at talking. So I went into sales and marketing for a long time. And uh, But it was never what I wanted to do. So um, music kind of didn't take a backseat because I had a home studio and I wrote songs and played them to my mum and dad and my sisters and stuff like that. But uh, I I think you just have to be belligerent. And just when you get in, you got to you got to just, this is it don't don't try anything else just yeah. get really good at everything you can get good at and you and again especially in the behind the scenes artistry is different when you're an artist it has to be a really big focus It's so such a primary focus part of the business and um but for me i i've, I've been able to kind of like diversify a bit and that's helped maintain
0: a, a credible career you know yeah well, th- this has been great for all the listeners and great for me. So, thanks so much for coming on. My pleasure. Sorry if I talk too much. <laughs> no, you're perfect. <laughs> all right, thanks so much, thanks. man. I appreciate it. All right, Richard Harris, man, that was a good one. That was a that was a really good one. If I was just a third party listener on this podcast, I would have said, "Damn, that was a good one." <laughs> um. Anyway, there's a lot of good tidbits of information in there and, and coming from somebody who really has been in the business for a long time, and has had success in the business and has chased their dreams and seen that come to fruition. One thing I really liked that he said was this business has a lot to offer people that have the tenacity to not take no for an answer. Maybe, maybe we should all write that down and hang it on fancy glittery poster paper on the wall. And then next to that, you can have another poster that says the next thing he said, which was, if you have the tenacity but are not too ignorant to listen to people, you can put that poster next to it. And then next to that poster, you can put another one that says, we're all fucked. I said that, though. Anyway, Richard, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. We're going to play this episode out with another song. It was co-written by Richard and Greg Holden off Greg's album, Chase the Sun. The song's called Save Yourself. It's a great tune. It's quite a bit different in genre than the last song that we heard a few minutes ago, which is kind of cool. It shows how diverse Richard is with a lot of the people he's worked with. If you like the songs, there will be YouTube links in the bio of this podcast. You can go listen to it on YouTube. You can stream it on Spotify. You can go buy it on iTunes. And hell, I think you can still find music on CDs. You can go buy the CD if you like it, support the artists, support the songwriters. It's a great tune that we'll hear just in just a second. I want to say thanks to my buddy and our sponsor, Patrick Badgley, at PQ Mastering in Las Vegas, Nevada, for putting the finishing touches on this podcast. For any music mastering or audio restoration work, check out his website at www.pqmastering.com. If you have any comments, concerns, suggestions hate mail, death threats, please email me at middleclassrockstar at gmail.com. We'll also have in the liner notes of this episode, along with the YouTube links to these two songs that we've played, we'll also have a link to Richard's website and a social media page, as well as a link to an eBay commercial. No, I'm not trying to sell my roommate's dirty socks to you. He did the music, A 30-second clip, for an ebay commercial that came out and so he sent the youtube link to that too so if you want to hear some more of some of the stuff that richard does it's not all having songs cut by other artists or co-writes some of it is commercials television kind of stuff there's money to be made there too i think it'd be really cool if i was watching a football game on sunday and then when the ebay commercial comes on rather than go get another beer to sit there and be like yeah that's That's my song right now. I think that'd be sort of cool. I think that's it. Anything else? No. I think I said everything. I was a little bit long-winded today, but I think I said it all. One more shout-out to the Durango Songwriters Expo. Please check that out. If you're a musician, songwriter, producer, and you're looking to network, thanks again. Richard, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it.
2: a way to save you someone else. It won't make any difference if we does it feel strange i've got a feeling you believe me no one said it would be easy just keep moving on staying strong let go of your mistakes because they're dead and gone holding on is never gonna help you try to save yourself